need a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Some place where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. The first stanza of the classic Advent hymn, Savior of the Nations, come. That hymn signals the beginning of a new church year. So why does the church keep time differently than the world? And what is this season of Advent all about? How does the church begin this solemn season that anticipates not only Christ's first coming, but also his second coming? Greetings and welcome back to Issues Etc. Coming to you from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to begin a series looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, reprising this series with Pastor Sean Denzer. He's Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Sean, welcome back. It's great to be back, Todd. I mentioned there the three-year lectionary. We need to distinguish it from another lectionary. What is it? Sure. So in the reforms of the Roman Catholic Church, culminating in Vatican II during the 20th century, among many things that changed, as well as things that stayed the same, they did a revision of the lectionary to expand it to a three-year series instead of just a one-year series that had been in use with some variation throughout the long history of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance up to the present day. Their 1969-produced lectionary also had adherence among Protestants. There were various versions of it. The Council on Common Texts worked to put together the Revised Common Lectionary, which is the real common theme that we see across Christendom using this three-year lectionary. And in the Lutheran Church in the Missouri Synod, uh, we also have our version of it, which is only slightly adjusted from that revised common lectionary. So it's a way of following through the church year to have readings assigned for each day. But unlike the the lectionary that had been in use, often called the one-year lectionary, this one is slightly different across three different years. So the first year that we're headed into We've come around to year A, there's A, B, C. What is year A about? Year A is especially going to follow the gospel of Matthew. So each of the three years follows the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is then thrown in in various places wherever he fits well to cover that fourth gospel. Matthew's gospel is the first one. It's the longest. In some ways, that would seem to make it the most thorough. In many ways, Matthew is very interested in quoting the Old Testament and bringing those prophecies to light. Matthew also has a special benefit looking at Christ as being the Savior also of the Gentiles. And all those things will start to come into play right away here at the beginning of year A of the three-year lectionary. How is Advent treated in this first year in the three-year cycle? All of the gospel readings will, of course, come from Matthew, but as a result, it'll have a slightly different pattern than, say, the the old lectionary did. And I think if you were to look for some kind of main theme to tie it together in Advent, it would be 
that the scriptures are going to speak prophetically. So we're going to hear many Old Testament readings as well as the epistle readings that will speak about the patience of God's Old Testament people. And it invites us then to have this attitude. They were looking ahead to Christ's advent in the flesh. We are looking in a similar way ahead to Christ's second coming at the last day. And of course, if you think through the way, especially Isaiah and the Old Testament prophets are writing, they in a sense, don't see a distinction between our Lord's coming as the Savior and our Lord's coming as the judge. And we now see this this distinction in time that we live right in the middle of. Also, it's going to point to the end times then that are bookended by Christ's two advents. And a special feature of year A is that we're going to hear selections from Isaiah uh, throughout all four Sundays of the Old Testament. And in the Gospels, we'll hear kind of a centering around John and Jesus. And I think you can see that they are both preaching apocalyptically, calling to repentance, before finally hearing Matthew's kind of preparatory announcement of the angel to Joseph before Christmas comes. Before we go on to the particulars with a kind of an overview of this first Sunday in Advent, speak briefly, if you would, about the role of John the Baptist in Advent period. So John says that he is the forerunner. Christ, uh, in a little debate with John, says that he is the Elijah who is to come before the great day of the Lord. So John's role is always to point us to Christ Jesus, to prepare for him. He does this in two ways, by calling to repentance and simply by proclaiming, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Those are kind of his two great sermons, if you could call them that, sentence sermons, repent for the end is near, and behold the Lamb of God. So it's logical in kind of the, again, not chronological, but in the preparing for Jesus Christ that John would come first and then Jesus would follow him. Give us a bird's eye view of the first Sunday in Advent. Yeah, as we look throughout the lectionary, uh, as we go through these three years, we're going to want to always, I think, start with the gospel reading, because that really does set some of the tone for the day. And then I want to look also at how to connect uh, the readings together, because often they will connect, sometimes they won't. So right off the bat in the three-year lectionary in Series A, we have a choice which is quite significant for the day's character and its color, you might say. So we're given two options in the Lutheran service book. The first is a familiar one. That's Matthew 21. It's the triumphal entry of Jesus on a donkey into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday. This was long the first Sunday of the church year reading in the old lectionary. It still is in the one-year lectionary. And at first, it might seem strange to begin in the middle of the story, or actually pretty close to the end of the story in Holy Week. But the notion is we're starting a new year. We always label our years the year of our Lord, 2022 or 2023. And so as a result, we want to say Jesus is Lord. He's the king. He's the one by whom we mark our time. He's the one that we serve. He's the one who comes to save us. And so we begin then on the very first day of the new church year with our Lord coming to save us. It's also a nice uh, pointing ahead to what the purpose of Christ's advent among us is, which is to go as a sacrifice outside of Jerusalem to shed his blood for the sins of the world. 
The other option is something from our Lord's Apocalypse in Matthew chapter 24, where he's talking about that we know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come again. And so he says we should always watch and be ready. That's uh, quite a nice flow from last Sunday, which in year C of the three year was already pointing to Jesus' death and using that as a way to talk about the end of the world having come in his death and resurrection. So now also we want to see that we should be ready at all times for his second coming. What might be a little strange if you chose the Matthew 21 reading is you have our Lord's death, and then after it you have what came before it, his ride into Jerusalem. Are there themes introduced in this first Sunday of Advent? Yeah, because of the way Advent is in particular in year A, I think it invites us to look for themes because we haven't yet started the pattern of Lectio Continuo that this three-year lectionary is known for. So Lectio Continuo means continuous reading through, and that is once you finish with chapter one, you go on to chapter two, and then to chapter three. In the summer of the church year especially, we'll see that happening not only in the gospel reading, but also in the epistle reading. And that means that they won't necessarily line up with any particular theme or focus for that day. You'll just have a continuous reading through the gospel or a continuous reading through the epistle, and the Old Testament will usually match the gospel reading. Since there's more attention given to kind of the outline of the church year, the life of Christ Jesus, and our following it as a church in this first half of the church year, Advent in particular doesn't do that continuous reading, and it invites us to at least try and investigate what themes might be in common. I think if you're looking for a single word to unite it, you might go with light. So we have at the end of the Old Testament reading that we're to walk in the light of the Lord, and we see that he is calling all the nations to his mountain and beating away all of the devilish things, all of the sinful things, war, bloodshed, all that will go away and peace will reign. So we have the light of God. We have in Paul, in Romans, we have this continuing that we're not to be like people of the darkness, uh, but we walk properly in the daytime. We're not the ones who are asleep, but we're the ones who are awake. And likewise, if you choose to use that Matthew 24 reading from the gospel, you have our Lord talking about the thief coming in the night. No one knows the day or the hour, but we're to stay awake. In other words, we're to be people of the light. Another theme you might be able to find is simply, again, we're starting a new church year, and it seems as if all these readings are in their own way pointing to that, and we'll see that as we get to each reading in turn. So let's walk through this Sunday in its propers, those things that are proper to this Sunday, beginning with the intro, what is it? Yes, and we should mention this. Uh, This is something new in Lutheran service book. All of the three-year lectionary days have their own chosen introits and graduals and verses, what's some kind called the minor propers or the intervening chants, because they're usually sung by a choir or maybe by a pastor in the congregation. And so it's worth our attention because these are something new for use in the church. They're based on old patterns, but they are definitely key each to each particular day and each particular year, which is great. So for the first Sunday in Advent, we have, Behold, your king is coming to you, borrowing from Zechariah. We're not hearing his Old Testament prophecy read, but we're going to have that as a theme here for this day. 
it's the king that's coming. We're coming off a, kind of a Christ the King Sunday last Sunday in Luke's gospel, where Christ is crowned there on the cross to be our savior, a very unique king. We're continuing it, except now he's riding in triumphantly. And it has a very generic prayer, or it seems to us to be generic, but this is the common cry of Hosanna, the cry to the Lord from Psalm 118, which is fascinating because it really does open up that Palm Sunday expression that the people give when they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. We find there in verse 25 of Psalm 118, save us, that's Hosanna, we pray, Lord, give us success or prosperity, and then blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then immediately following on its heels, the Lord has made his light to shine upon us, bind the festal sacrifice with cords, even up to the horns of the altar. So if we have Palm Sunday and our Lord's entry into Jerusalem in mind, entry into a new church year, we see already from the beginning that the Lord's purpose here is to save us, that he is the one who comes from God as the one appointed by God, the king to whom we want to trust and believe. And his purpose includes his death as a sacrifice for us. So all of that ought to be on our mind, even from the beginning of new church year. Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary. He is director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We'll get into the first Sunday of Advent's Collect next. What can we learn from our Lutheran forefathers on how to face the challenges of a culture openly hostile to Christianity? Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, has written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled For Such a Time as This. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. You'll also find Pastor Will Whedon's article on the monthly Psalter, the free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Job saw the city as a wasteland, as if devoid of God, witnessing injustice to the poor by the corrupt, lawlessness of criminals, trafficking of children, blatant immorality, thinking God could not see wicked deeds done in the dark of night. Yet God never abandoned Job, nor his city, groaning for mercy. God is working through the living Redeemer, hands etched with salvation, pointing to the resurrection to come. Join us at lcms.org slash citymission to seek peace and shine the light in the city. Christological. Creedal. Confessional. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR23 to save on your order. simplyclassical.com. This is Pastor Donald Jordan welcoming you to Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church in Chico, California. We stand upon the inspired, inerrant Word of God and preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
Students at Chico State and Butte College are welcome to our college group. Our divine service is at 10 and Sunday school at 9. We are located at 750 Moss Avenue and our website is RedeemerChico.org. Stanza four of the Advent hymn, Savior of the Nations Come. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, the first Sunday in Advent, according to the three-year lectionary of Pastor Sean Denzer. Sean, take us into the collect for the first Sunday in Advent. The collects for the three-year lectionary are all the same during the time of Christ, the first half of the church year up through Pentecost and Trinity Sunday. So no matter what year you're in, or even if you're in the one-year lectionary, you'll always hear the same collect. These collects for Advent are unique in a couple ways. They begin, stir up your power, O Lord. Sometimes they're called stir up, and there's a tradition in England about what you cook at that time, stir your pudding. But they also are unique in this way. They're addressed to Christ. Almost always we pray to the Father and the name of Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. But this is one exception where we address Christ directly and we say, come, be our Savior. We know as the Old Testament to pray to the Lord, the distinctions in the Trinity, that the three persons are not always clear at all time. We're given that clarity as, as Peter talks about in his epistle. So we're going to address Christ, the one who has come in our flesh. And we say, O Lord, stir up your power and come that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance, for you live and reign with the Father and the Spirit. So we see the old purpose of the season of Advent still at work, even in this three-year lectionary, that repentance is our focus. When we get to John the Baptist in the coming weeks, we'll see that he particularly proclaims repentance and his baptism is connected to that. So also we prepare not only for our Lord's coming and the celebration of it at Christmas, but also for his coming again at the last day by repenting of our sins, by rescuing that this is what caused the Son of Man in his love to enter into our flesh, that he might answer for our sins, that he might rescue us from them. And so whatever it is we think that might be terrifying us, it really is our sins that are more terrifying. The judgment of God against them is severe, and only he can deal with it in Christ Jesus. What is the Old Testament reading? The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 2, right at the beginning. It's the word that comes to him concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It begins like this, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. 
and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. A number of things to notice about this Old Testament reading. First of all, it mentions in the latter days. And this is a very helpful way to see that the end times really do begin with the advent of Christ Jesus. When you have the Messiah there, the last day has begun. But as we see, the last day is not to be taken as a literal 24-hour day is usually used in the scriptures. But here it refers to the time of the Messiah, which begins with Christ's birth, its conception, but also with his coming again at the judgment of the world. So this is the time, and we see that some of this has been fulfilled or is beginning to be fulfilled in our time. Others of it is still, we're waiting for this at the last day. So we see that the house of the Lord is now established as the highest mountain. That's the Temple Mount. And it's not Mount Everest. It's not the highest mountain in the world. But here it's using this poetically. In the last day, it will become the most prominent, the most important, because all the nations will flow to it. In other words, out of Israel will come the message that draws the whole world together. This is the message of the gospel. Mount Zion is the Lord's dwelling place. So where Christ is, all are now drawn to him. And you have this wonderful expression already in the voice of the Gentiles that they want to go to the Lord's place. They want to go to the God of Jacob's place. They want to hear what he has to teach. So here at the beginning of our church year, then we are considering the task of the church to be that city on a hill, as Christ said, to be the true Israel of God, to be the place from where the message and the Lord's teaching is heard. And this is a message that is not just for a small group of people, not just for Israel, according to the flesh, not even just for us, but for all people. And uh, we see that the law of God, the Torah, is the same as the word of God. It goes out from the Lord's place. It judges. And then here's maybe the part that we don't see even begun to happen yet, which is that swords will be beaten into plowshares, that actually there will be peace on earth. This is what we will finally see at the last day when all things are under subjection to Christ's feet. The psalm appointed for the first Sunday in Advent is what? I believe it's Psalm 122. And Psalm 122 is, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So it echoes that phrase from the Old Testament reading. And you'll find this most often as we go through the lecture, that the psalm that is appointed is a comment in some way on the Old Testament reading that we just heard. The psalm in the divine service is a new proper that didn't exist before those reforms in the Roman Catholic Church in the 1960s, and something that has been continued also in our Lutheran service book. It's a great attempt to bring the Psalter into the regular life of the church, but you definitely see a shift in the 20th century and into our present time of a focus on Sunday morning exclusively as the time when Christians are gathering. That's why we need to bring in the Psalms here and a bit of an acknowledgement that people are no longer gathering daily or multiple times during the week to pray the daily offices to hear these Psalms regularly, and that in many cases those introits and graduals and verses have fallen out of use, unfortunately, and so you don't get to hear just little snippets of the Psalms everywhere. 
Nevertheless, there's something very admirable about having the Psalms in their entirety sung, and this is another opportunity to do it. So we get to hear Psalm 122 talking about what is important about the Lord's house, what is important about Zion. Well, it's the place where his judgment is. It's the place where his salvation comes from. And so you have a prayer already for the peace of Jerusalem that this peace would be there and that all those who come out from it, all those who love Jerusalem, would also receive the peace of God. So this is a fine psalm to speak about the way the church is now, the place where God's peace and his word is heard, and we ask that many would come to love this place as well. We'll be talking about the epistle for the first Sunday in Advent, according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer when we come back from the break. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number 1-800-325-3040 or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, as we move farther along in St. Luke, we come to Jesus' genealogy, the first two temptations, the third temptation and the start of his ministry, the synagogue at Nazareth, and rejection. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Have you thought about eternal life? When does it begin? What is eternal life? Well, your eternal life does not begin when your body, earthly body, fails and is laid into the grave. It begins, in fact, in the waters of holy baptism where you are tied to the death of Christ and in him you were raised. To learn more about this topic of eternal life, pick up your copy of the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Logia Journal, the Confessional Dogmatic Series. The works of Kurt Marquardt and many other resources are all brought to you by Luther Academy. Did you know that during this time of COVID-19, your purchases and donations help Luther Academy supply these same resources to pastors around the world? Please consider helping us with this important need through your prayers and financial support. Learn how you can help by visiting lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com. Old theology, new technology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is it hard? Yes. Will it challenge you? Absolutely. Is it a blessing from God for you and those you will serve without question? Dr. Lawrence Rast, president of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The pastoral ministry is all of these things, and that's why Concordia Theological Seminary exists to form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Men from all over the world with a variety of unique backgrounds come to our campus 
to receive faithful training that will equip them for the challenging but blessed work of serving as pastors in Christ's church. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Christ-Centered Worship Confessional Theology Lutheran Community, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. That is stanza five of Savior of the Nations Come, the hymn of the day for the first Sunday in Advent. We're looking forward to that Sunday, according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Sean, what is the epistle for this coming Sunday? The epistle is from Romans chapter 13, and immediately we see a tendency of the Lutheran service book to extend these readings somewhat. So we have the option to begin at verse 8. The Revised Common Lectionary just began at verse 11, which is still kind of the recommended, but the option is given to begin earlier. What do you gain if you go a little earlier? Well, you get the love as the fulfillment of the law, the mention of the commandments there from the second table, that all of them are summed up with just what Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That flows then into this besides in verse 11, which would be very naked, I suppose, if that's the way we began. So it might be wise to add that. And then here's the core of the epistle reading, starting at Romans 13, 11. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So in this passage, Paul is urging Christians to live as Christians, to put away sin, to repent of it, and instead to walk in newness of life, in good works, in Christ Jesus. In many ways, he is telling us to love one another. This fits so well for the beginning of a new church year. I suppose everybody needs a reminder, and uh, New Year's resolutions are always appropriate. Of course, uh, our returning to the Lord, our coming to his word, our taking it up as a daily exercise shouldn't be limited just to some special time, but we know that we're weak. We know that we fall out of habits. We fall out of patterns. Time runs on, and it seems to look like we actually don't know what the time is or what the hour is. So it's always good to have this sort of a reminder, and I think especially at the beginning of a new church year. You also have that sense here when it says salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. We look at the calendar date changing. We look at another year of our Lord, another church year together, and we think that, yes, the last day, whenever it should come, is certainly closer now than it was before. I guess time never stands still or goes in reverse. 
but we ought to gain something as Christians from this. We ought to be encouraged. We ought to be alerted uh, to the fact that we're not supposed to be uh, dull and sleepy and caught up in all of the things that the world is caught up in. We are people of the light. We are people of the day, even before that day has fully come. Therefore, let us walk like it. The gradual is a seasonal gradual for all of the Sundays of Advent. What is it? Yeah, that'll be very important as we look. The graduals are all seasonal, and this is something that is also held in common between all three years of the three-year lectionary. So this will always be the gradual for the first Sunday in Advent, no matter which of the three years of the three-year lectionary you're using. And again, we're back to Zechariah, which we already had a taste of in the intro it, and Psalm 118. And I think you can see the word come is central to it. That is probably the simplest translation of the word advent and a real focus that we have in this season. So rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. So we have a connection to the Old Testament. Shout aloud, daughter of Jerusalem, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. So again, right from the beginning of the church year, our focus is going to be on Christ and his coming among us in the flesh, but particularly to save us. Thus, when we look to the last day, we look also for the salvation that has been held up for us, as Peter says, and that we await from God. What's the verse this coming Sunday? We still retain alleluias during Advent, even though it is a penitential season. And we have just a short little verse from 24, Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. A perfect little psalm verse to summarize, especially that gospel from Matthew 21, the triumphal entry of Jesus. Let's begin the conversation on what is the centerpiece of every Sunday, but really especially in Advent, these gospel readings. Where do we begin in the gospel reading? Uh, Let's start with Matthew 21, which is the more traditional option, I suppose you'd say. Although, interestingly, something that the Revised Common Lectionary and the Roman Lectionary abandoned. They didn't see the need for that uh, entry into the new church here with the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, humbly as our king. Uh, But it's something that was so well-beloved among Lutherans that the Lutheran service book decided we wanted to keep this. And so it's always provided as at least an option in the three-year lectionary. I'll read it. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. 
What would you say, with the, uh, just a few minutes here before we take our break, what would you say we ought to take note of in this gospel reading? It's one we know very well, and we get to hear it, if you read it this Sunday, twice in the year. So it's one that I think is familiar, and therefore we can draw lots of things out of it. But I would notice that the Lord is a prophet as well. He knows what's going to happen beforehand, and his disciples are able to do exactly what he tells them to do. His uh, entry into Jerusalem as its rightful king, he is the peace of the Jews, which is what Jerusalem means. And yet he chooses to come uh, not on a war horse, but on a humble beast of burden. This is a fulfillment in a very literal and direct sense of that Zechariah passage, but it also indicates something about the character of our Lord, that he has come to accomplish some task, that he has come, in fact, to die and to be the savior of the world. And the crowds, at least on this day, know the Old Testament well. They're not surprised to see Zechariah fulfilled, perhaps surprised that it's happening here with this man. But they know the sorts of things that they are to say when the Messiah enters. And they know to go right to Psalm 118, to have this section that we already heard at least once in the intro. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And how amazing then, if we go on to read as our intro has given to us, that he comes not simply to take up his throne in the usual manner in a palace, but to take up his throne on a cross to suffer and to die, to be that festal sacrifice bound to the horns to redeem his people. Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary on this Monday, November the 21st. He's Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We'll talk more about that gospel reading next. a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Someplace where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Advent season, lutheranpublicradio.org. Evangelical and Catholic. You're listening to Issues Etc. 
Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. As we prepare for the Advent season this year, it's time for some contemplation. Your Christmas are from the 80s. They're made of styrofoam, the glitter has dropped off, and they're being held together with toothpicks. Don't celebrate another Christmas hearkening back to the age of glitter balls. See Ad Crusom's beautifully designed Christmonds together with our book describing how they fit into the church here. Visit adcrusom.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Stanza 6 of Savior of the Nations Come. We're looking forward to the first Sunday in Advent according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. So dealing with this primary gospel reading, we'll talk about the alternate here in just a moment. We, we can't anticipate what the preacher is necessarily going to do with this gospel, but at a very minimum, what should be the message if this gospel is the text for preaching? I think it's certainly suggestive in these readings in particular that the church year day be thought of by the preacher and by the congregation, that we really do acknowledge this as our New Year's Day for the church year. And why do that? I mean, we, as Paul says in Colossians, we're not bound by times and seasons, not even by Sabbaths. Well, the value of it is that we would grow, that we would not just come to church year in and year out and have no fruit that the Lord's word would not just wash over us in one ear and out the other, but that it actually would be kept so it may actually produce something in a good and honest heart that believes it. So as a result, I think it's it's fantastic that we get to start the church year thinking about our Lord Jesus Christ, obviously, if we're the Christian church, but that we would particularly see what it is he has come to do. There's plenty of room for putting away the works of darkness, living a godly life. We get to hear that also in the epistle. There's plenty of room for wanting this message to go out to the whole world, wanting others to join us. We have plenty of that in the Old Testament. But in particular, that the thing we are gathering to praise about God each day, the thing we're gathering to hear from him each day, is that he, in fact, is the one sent from the Father to save the world. He's the one who has come in the name of the Lord, therefore with the Lord's blessing, the one who has come to do this not in a way of power, not in a way of bending us to his will or subjecting us to all of his desires in a way that does not consider us, but we see he comes in love, caring for his ancient people, and he comes for us as well, who he wants to draw to his holy mountain. And what is it by which he draws the whole world together to himself? 
It is by his death on the cross, it is by his being that festal sacrifice that he hosannas, that he saves us, that he is our Lord and our King. This is the prophet who comes from Nazareth of Galilee. That's a very downputting statement that we hear at the end after all of the highfalutin stuff, these beautiful passages from the Psalter and from Zechariah. And that will be our tendency to, to forget the Lord, to cast him off as a small matter, and not, in fact, to honor him and to love him as a king, a king who has shown his rule in this unique way in all of the universe, that he has given his life as a sacrifice to redeem us. What is the alternative gospel reading for the first Sunday in Advent? The alternative gospel reading is also from Matthew, because this is his year, but it's from chapter 24, and it's an entirely different character, and I think it colors the whole day differently if this is the gospel that's chosen. So I'll read it from Matthew 24, beginning at verse 36. Jesus said, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be out grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Gospel of the Lord. In some ways, it's very charming and a jarring thing at the beginning of a church year to have this reading. But that could be what we need, I suppose, to hear something unexpected. We know every year that once you've got to Thanksgiving, once you've finished out the however many Sundays of Trinity, suddenly you're into the new church year. And I think if you're not clued into the church year's pattern in your kind of daily life outside of Sunday morning, or maybe if you're only a, every so often a tender of church, you might not know that it's the first Sunday in Advent. Maybe it will come upon you as a surprise. I, I don't think that's the kind of listenership we have here on issues, etc. But in any case, it's a helpful reminder, even to the dedicated every Sunday Christians, that look, the coming of the Lord is not going to be at nine o'clock and 1030 every Sunday morning in the way that we're used to, right? His coming will be at an unknown time. And that means we cannot take what we're about to hear for an entire year of our Lord again for granted. We cannot just go on as if nothing will ever change, as if it's always the same, as if nothing new ought to come about, as if we don't have to be ready and we can wait for some signal and then say, okay, now it's time to unprop my feet and get to work. No, the Lord is coming in an hour that even the Son of Man in his humiliation wouldn't have been able to tell us. So that's an astounding matter. Actually, there are a few things in this text 
that are worth teaching in our day. That is probably the main advantage of the three-year lectionary is that it exposes us on Sunday morning to readings that we may not have heard or may not be as familiar with from the scriptures. And this one's especially helpful because there's so much confusion about the last day and a couple of these phrases in here, in particular this left phrase, the left behind, what does that mean? I think actually the text is very helpful for understanding it. Think about the days of Noah. This is how the coming of the Son of Man is going to be. People were doing things, uh, carrying on with normal life, uh, and uh, they didn't think Noah was worth paying attention to, and then they were swept away. So notice the people who were taken away are not the believers, not the ones who were safe in the ark, but the ones who weren't paying attention. They get swept away. That's what it means to be snatched or taken away. The left behind ones, that's Noah and his family. They, they're still standing at the end of that flood. Likewise, then, you have these people taken in the field, so it's not like uh, you can just pair up with somebody else. Faith doesn't matter for yourself either. It will cut through families. It will cut through employers. Every person will individually be judged, I guess we might say, at the last day. What are we to take away? That the Lord is coming, and therefore we have to always be ready. Here's another point of misunderstanding about the last day, and that's this phrase, the thief in the night. I think this, more than anything, has led to the idea that the Lord is going to come in some secret way and snatch away his Christians and steal them away. That's not the point of comparison Jesus has in this figurative saying. He says, the point about the thief we ought to remember is he comes at an hour we don't expect. I mean, if you knew what hour the thief was coming, you'd be sitting on your porch with the shotgun ready for him. Jesus says, since we can't know at what hour he is coming, therefore we need to be ready at all times. So this then is the call to us as Christians to always be ready, to always be expecting our Lord Jesus Christ, to always have faith in him, to always be at work in the works of love that he desires so that we will be ready no matter what day it is that he comes. Let's talk a bit about the hymn of the day that we have been hearing coming out of our breaks, Savior of the Nations Come. It is kind of the quintessential Advent hymn. Why is it considered that way? Well, it's better in the Latin, I think, because it starts, come, come redeemer of the Gentiles or redeemer of the nations. This has long been the office hymn. It's written by St. Ambrose, long been the office hymn appointed for the season of Advent and especially this first week. And so as a result in the Lutheran Reformation, when hymns were again restored to the divine service, when they were brought in in languages that people could sing them, that's why Luther translated into German. That's why we're singing it in English as Savior the Nations Come. Often they drew on these old office hymns. And some of the big days of the church year just never change. They really are well established, like the first Sunday in Lent and especially this first Sunday in Advent. So that's why we're hearing it. Does it fit with the readings? I think it does. Certainly it's talking about the incarnation broadly speaking, but this hymn speaks also about why he's coming, right? to be the savior of the world, to be the one who comes from his father, who comes down into our world, who walks the full circuit of heaven to hell and back again, all 
to save us. And so it's important to see that the first stanza of this hymn makes it a prayer. Come, Savior of the nations, is what we are asking. And thus it's very much like the collect of the day. Stir up your power and come, O Lord. And the word for Advent, come, is right there in the hymn. So it's an obvious choice as well. I'm thinking about this prayer being, I want to talk about the kind of the double entendre of Advent. This prayer being both that of the Old Testament, the prophetic word that the Messiah would come, and it's fulfilled in Christ's incarnation. But also the church's prayer today, and you've mentioned this several times, actually we are commanded to pray this at the, in the book of Revelation, that Christ would come again. What would you say about that? Yeah, the word you're referencing is is Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We probably know that most from the table prayer that's become common among us today. It's important to remember that we are not at home here, not truly. We're, we're waiting for the day when our Lord will bring his salvation, when we'll have that mountain that the Old Testament reading talks about, right? Where, where there'll be no more war. No one will be attacking us in particular because we cling to the name of Jesus Christ. We have no lasting city here, as Hebrews says. We wait for the new heavens and the new earth. We wait for the salvation that's stored up for our faith to be kept there until the day when our Lord returns. Just as all of the people of the Old Testament uh, were bottled up under the law, bottled up in these many reminders of their sin, and constantly at the mercy of all the nations, unless the Lord would preserve them, and how often they instead ran away from their Lord who loved them so well. So yeah, it's good for us to go back into the Old Testament to see, of course, how they were looking ahead to Christ's coming, which we know has happened, but also how all of their prayers then are of great use to us who wait for this fully to come at the last day, like that second gospel reading, that we are eager and expectant of our Lord because we are not satisfied with this world. We are waiting for all of the blessings that he has to come. Thus, Hosanna, save us now. Come, Lord Jesus, becomes our prayer all the time in Christianity, or as the Lord's Prayer has it, deliver us from evil. That's a very fine summary of everything we need. But we take up that same cry again, especially at Advent, as is fitting. Start of a new year, let's remember what our prayers really ought to be focused in. How then, with uh, just a couple minutes here, how would you summarize the message that is brought to us in these propers in the first Sunday of Advent, according to the three-year lectionary. There's a richness here. There's a richness in the scriptures. There's a richness and a thickness, you might say, to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've already mentioned the fact that he has two comings by our reckoning and the fact that we live in these final days now. Uh, so I suppose it would be very hard to pick just one thing to speak about on the first Sunday of a new year, the start of it all. And I suppose the lecture reflects that a little bit. But in any case, what is absolutely clear and at the heart of it all is that Christ Jesus is our salvation. 
that the coming of the Lord, the coming of the last day, the coming of judgment, the gathering of people in church, the gathering of people at the last day into eternal life, all of this is a gathering around Christ Jesus. And it happens not by our doing, but by him coming to us, by him in his humility, laying down his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, this prompts us then not to fall into all of the things that might weigh us down in this world, but to never be satisfied until we have the full peace that the Lord's blood has won for us, the full peace that is promised to us at the last day, and to be ready at all times and eager to have it. Pastor Sean Denzer is Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. LCMS Worship has produced several Advent resources, and you can download them for free at lcms.org slash worship, lcms.org slash worship. Sean, thanks. My pleasure. Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll talk with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller about informing the conscience. We'll discuss the Biden administration leading the charge on global abortion promotion. Our guest will be Alyssa Curran. We'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Jesus calling his first disciples in Luke chapter 5, and we'll respond to your email and the Issues Etc. comment line. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, Hi, this is Pastor Clayton from Zion Lutheran Church of Mascuda, Illinois, a proud supporter of Issues Etc. Zion is a congregation firmly grounded in God's grace given in the Word and Sacraments where we treasure the timeless beauty of the liturgy. Zion is also a vibrant, young, family-friendly congregation where you would be warmly welcomed. Zion is located at 101 South Railway Street in Mascuda, Illinois, and we would love to share God's gifts of grace with you. For more information, please visit our website at zionmascuta.com.